quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood, yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Hi, welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to talk about how to parent with your partner and all the facets involved in how difficult that can be. So three things that I think often come up that I hear about are one, that you're worried you're not on the same page as your partner and that two, you find yourself correcting your partner and telling them how to parent. And three, how do you get them on board and using this idea of connected parenting? How do you sway them your way if they aren't inclined to want to try this type of parenting. So let's try start with the idea of that if you're not on the same page. So I, I, I tell my clients often like, you're not going to be completely 100% on the same page in parenting. That's just not possible because you have a different personality than your partner does. And children know this. They, they learn to navigate all different kinds of personalities and all different people. They have te- different teachers they understand or you know, have different ways of coming to things and different ways of teaching, different ways of interacting. They have coaches who all have different personalities. So kids learn to navigate different people. And it's okay if you are not 100% on the same page. What I do see that's problematic and what parents often report to me is that you'll be totally on opposite spectrums of parenting. Like one parent will be deeply into this idea of connective parenting, wherein the other parent is deeply into the idea of conventional parenting. So we have one family member or one parent who's, you know, punishing and one parent who just isn't. One parent who is coming with this idea of connection and one parent who's more um, steeped in the idea of behaviorism. So that can be problematic. It's problematic for everybody only because, you know, the children kind of, they don't know what they're going to get or when they're going to get it. They might do something wrong. And if mom catches them doing it wrong or if dad catches them doing wrong, the outcome's going to be very different. What I often see too is that over time, parents who are connective often become the default parent. So they become the parent that the children always go to with their upsets and always go to with their off-track behaviors. And that parent ends up really over-parenting because they're being burdened with more of the parenting because the parent who's more steeped in the idea of conventional parenting doesn't have near the relationship. So that can be one of the issues of not being on the same page if you're on the kind of extremes. If you just have varying differences of how you're, you know, doing bath time or bedtime or how you're responding to a certain situation, that's not very problematic and pretty normal. We all are very different. But if you find yourself on complete opposite ends, it might be hard on the child because they don't know exactly who they're going to get and and what the outcome is going to be like. But I do see that the kids, like I said, over time, really gravitate toward the parent who has the more connected methodology. Now, the second point of correction, we often correct our partners. 
I mean, I was the queen of correcting my dad and my ex-husband. And let me tell you, that was not the way to go. And I learned the hard way and the long way not to do that. And I wish I would have done it differently, but I was such a mama bear. And when I changed, you know, I changed. I was like, this is it. We're doing it this way now and everybody better follow. But, you know, I wasn't able to do it quite right either. And so when I was correcting these guys in my life, (laughs) these men in my life, when I was correcting their parenting, they were coming back at me like, but you're not doing it right. Why are you correcting me when you can't even do it? And that's a really valid point. Why do we find the need to correct our partners when we often make mistakes too? And I think it's because we do get protective of our kids. And when when a, a scene is unfolding before us, you know, between our partner and our child, and it's not going well, we can acutely see that because we have our thinking brain fully working, prefrontal cortex fully engaged. And we're like watching this unfold and thinking, no, 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 no. If you just did this, it would be better. But our partner, who is probably not thinking and totally offline and isn't navigating the situation well, can't access that good thinking. And so we go in and we correct. But when we do that, we really add shame into this parenting you know, situation that's going on. We, we add shame to our partner. We really make them kind of feel bad that they're making a mistake. And that shame can put certain people into a uh, freeze could put other people into fight, puts my dad deeply in a fight. So he would come fighting, like just like getting mad at me and coming down my throat because I was coming down his throat. And then that's never a good situation because now we've got an adult fight happening and the child situation has been totally abandoned. So if we can refrain from correcting and believe me, (laughs) I'm not very good at it, but I can see when I don't correct when I let it unfold, when I let the situation devolve, the adult, in my case, my dad or my ex-husband, they learned their lesson because they came all the way through. And at the end, I know they felt bad about what they did or how they reacted. And so that's their learning lesson. And that's a natural consequence of whatever they've done, right? We don't need to come in and correct, just like we don't need to come in and correct our children. We don't need to come in and correct our parenting partners because it really is a place for them to navigate. It's their relationship, right? It's Esme and my dad's relationship. It's Pia and Chris's relationship. Like they are navigating their own relationship and they'll have ruptures and repairs. And we can't save our children from all of those, you know, hard moments between them and their other caretakers. We can hope that our partners are steeped in this idea of wanting to do better and wanting to do the best for their kids. And in, in my case, I was lucky. My my dad and my ex-husband were really steeped in that idea. Well, <laughs> my ex-husband, they were both steeped in it. And so is my dad. You know, both of them are opposite ex- spectrums. Like my, my ex would just give them whatever they want so they don't have a tantrum, right? Where my dad was, be super harsh with them so that they don't act bad. So they had, I had opposite spectrums for these two guys, <laughs> but they tried, but they had their downfalls, right? They both had their downfalls. But Luckily, they wanted to try. Even my dad, after browbeating him at the beginning into it, he really um, he really has come into his own. And I talk about this a lot in the podcast. He's really come into his own in the last you know five or six years, especially. I think he's really learned to navigate and those kids adore him. But it's taken us a while and it's not always been easy. It was a rocky road getting there with him. And it's been a rocky road getting there with my 
ex-husband who really wants to say yes. He really doesn't want anybody to have feelings. He doesn't want anyone to be disturbed. So he, you know, dances around and helicopter parents around and over parents around and so that he doesn't say no so that they don't have upsets. But he's had to really start saying no and having those upsets. And it's been really good movement for him. But I have really tried, tried my best not to get involved too much, not to correct. And then when things go awry, I'll say to my dad, like, well, how how did that go with this? And we'll have to talk about it because I'll say, do you want to talk about it? How did it go? Are you How are you feeling about that interaction? What do you think? And just have him talk and me listen, as opposed to me coming in and be like, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to hold space. Why are you, you know, not showing empathy? And when I do that, it really shuts him down and then he doesn't learn. And then he's forgotten about what it is that he did with Esme or what interaction they had or you know, that lesson that could have been learned becomes usurped because now he's mad at me. It's the same dynamic when we come in and we correct in like a sibling fight. If you come in and correct in a sibling fight, then you've really taken sides and you've made one of the siblings upset. And that upset sibling might forget about the wrongdoing that they just perpetrated on their, on their sibling. And they might instead be mad at the person who's correcting them, in this case, me, right? So sometimes I would keep that learning from happening for my dad or for Chris because I came down so hard. I really realized that when I come in and ask questions and ask, do you want to talk about it? Sounds like that was a tough situation. Do you want my advice? Do you want my opinion? Do you want me to listen? What do you need from me? That's been really helpful. So if you can adopt that with your partner, if you really can say like, do you want to talk about it? Looks like it was really hard. Empathy, empathy for our partners, right? looks like you had a really hard time with us. That looked really tough. I'm so sorry. I've been there too. I understand. Do you want to debrief? And that's the other thing. Like we do understand because I'm sure we've lost it just like they've lost it before. We're no saint. I'm no saint. Here I am correcting my dad and Chris and then they'd leave and I'm like screaming at everyone. You know, who are we to be the judge and jury when we also make mistakes? And so it becomes very hypocritical for coming down on people we're parenting with with criticism and correction, when we too could be subject to that criticism and correction. I've also seen with couples that I've worked with is that then the criticism correction starts to really flow back and forth. Like, you weren't supposed to do that. You're supposed to show empathy. I'll have some of my clients like, Michelle said, we're not supposed to do that. And now everyone's fighting and telling each other what to do and correcting each other. And it's a back and a forth and a back and a forth. And then it's like, now everyone hates connected parenting because everyone's being corrected and told what to do. And told about their shortcomings. And so it becomes very difficult. So my best advice, come in neutrally like you do with the siblings. Ask probing questions like we do with our kids. Show empathy like we do with our kids. Use connection in your parenting partner relationship too, just like you do with your children to get better outcomes, to have them learn those organic lessons from the natural consequences that will arise when they make their own mistakes don't be the judge and jury. Let the meltdown, let it devolve, let it be what it is. Your kids will be okay. They will, because when we get upset and do something wrong, they're also okay. And also this gives our parenting partners a good opportunity to repair. You know, that didn't really go very well. Do you, do you want to talk about it? And then when they talk about it, you say, yeah, I think both of you are feeling really bad about it. And will they go repair? Will they go apologize? And Will they make amends? And is this all part of the learning process? And when we come in with our correction, are we dismantling a situation that could have been helpful for everyone? All right. So if you can, don't correct your partner. 
know it's hard. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, Alphalac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. How do you get your parenting partner on board? That was the other thing a lot of people ask me, like, how do you get him on board? That's really hard. So for my dad, he was not having it. That was not going to happen. He was not going to come alongside me. He thought it was hocus pocus basically in his words, hocus pocus, and that that was ridiculous. And then the kids will never learn lessons. All the things that we all think, that many people think, all the things I encounter on Instagram or even with some of my clients when I first start working with them, it's like, this doesn't work. Our kids aren't going to go learn right from wrong. They're going to be out of control, entitled jerks running around this world. And so I browbeat him, which was not the right thing to do. I really told him, no, we're doing it this way. You have to do it. You cannot be around here unless you're doing these things. And I wish I would have done it differently. Luckily, my dad has enough, like, you know, he's, he's insightful enough he, that he's, he's recovering and, and he's a recovering alcoholic. And so he's been to enough AA meetings and he's understood enough of what goes on that I think he had enough insight to really work on it and wanted to work on it. So I gave him the booklets and he worked, started working on special time and connection. And it isn't the way I would go about it. So don't browbeat them. Don't start yelling at them. Don't start telling them this is the only way or our kids are going to be ruined. Like none of that's going to work. I think really sitting down and saying, you know, what do we want in this family? What do we ultimately want for our kids? 
I think all of us will say we want them to, you know, be successful people. We want them to be well adjusted. We want them to be able be able to endure hardship and recover. We want them to be be resilient. We want them to love us. We want to love them and we want to be in good relationships. And so when we say that, then we start to really talk about how are we going to get there and what do we think is important in getting there. And I think with my dad, I did do one thing, right? I started with special time and I think that was a really important call. And I actually started with special time with my whole extended family. Everyone was coming like the first year I started using it. Everyone was coming for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't remember which, but I sent out an email and I said, because I'm aggro, and I said, we are doing connected parenting in our house. And one of the tenets of connected parenting is special time. And I'd like each and every one of you to find a moment over the next four days to do special time with the girls. And here's how you do it. Here are the rules. And so when I saw the girls kind of getting wonky that weekend, when everyone was there, I'd say, oops, somebody, does somebody want to do special time? And every time a, a grandma or grandpa would you know, I'll, I'll take Esme. Oh, I'll take Pia because they could glom on to this whole idea of connection. So I started with special time with many of them. And, and that was the one thing I did really well with my dad. What I also would say is like, I would tell your partners that you're trying to do this, that you're trying to change this connective parenting ideology and that you too make mistakes. That was my big mistake is I didn't admit that I was making mistakes. I couldn't really see it. I mean, I knew I was making mistakes, but I, didn't see how hypocritical that was. So really saying like, I'm making mistakes too. I'm trying my best. Here's what I want to do. It isn't always what I do. And I know I'm going to mess up and I know you're going to mess up too. And it's okay. We can do this together. So getting them on board with a conversation instead of like telling them you have to do this or sending them every single one of my posts or every single one of my podcasts and then, you know, maybe listening to them, maybe not, but really sitting down and having a conversation and saying, well, what do you think? What is it that you want? What do we want as a family? What are our goals? How are we going to get there? And then often I have a reticent parent who will come to my one-on-one coaching. They won't want to do it. And I'll just say to them, just try it. You're with me for six or eight or 10 weeks. Just try it. Try this parenting ideology. Just go in deep for our six or eight or 10 weeks. And if you don't like it after 10 weeks, then go back. What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. You have 10 weeks that you'll lose. But in in, in reality, you're not losing those 10 weeks. You really have nothing to lose. So I always tell them, just try it. So you could say to your partner too, like, just try this connected parenting thing. See what you think. And then let's reevaluate in six weeks and see what we are thinking about it all. But if you are going to try it, then go deeply in and really say, I'm not doing the punishments. I'm really sticking in the connection. And I really, I want to do this in the best way I can. Okay. I hope that was helpful. I hope that you have some little nuggets that you can bring along to your partners and have some more grace for one another and have a you know, soft place to land for one another because this parenting by connection is not easy. It's really hard and it can be very frustrating in moments and don't give up on it because it works really does. I can't tell you the little fruits I'm seeing, especially right now with my oldest. She's nearly 18 and they had prom this weekend. And I saw her in such this beautiful, self-assured. She is very comfortable in her skin. She is very comfortable being who she is and saying what she wants. And, and she is not scared to, you know, really say or do anything or be around any person. And she's actually so lovely. And so self-assured that I 
I mean, I'm actually jealous. I wish I would have been that self-assured at 17 because I'll tell you what, I wasn't. And I look at her in awe and I'm so grateful that that, that it, this has produced a child who can be just herself and nothing else and unapologetically herself. And so I love that. I hope that's helpful. Thank you for joining me, you guys. And I'll see you next time.